Welcome to Walking Backwards. I'm Brad Gramet. This week's episode is a little bit different than normal because these were interviews I did in front of a live audience in Vegas at NAB. And I have to thank Tiffin for that because they uh, they asked me to come out and they brought me out there and and set it all up for me and um, and it was great. It was really fun. Um, the audio quality is a little less than um, my normal standard. There's some crowd noise um, for different reasons. I, 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 I didn't have two channels, so it's all mixed together, so I couldn't separate and then, you know, blah, 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 and compression and all that stuff. I did the best I could to make it sound as good as it can sound, but um, my apologies if you're a little annoyed by the, by the background noise and stuff. But this was fun. It was different. Um, it was an interesting thing to do, and my, my guests were Jerry Hallway and Kat Kulorgis, who is a New York operator. Um, yeah, everybody will know who Jerry is. But um, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and and I hope they enjoyed it. It's a little odd for me doing it in front of a crowd, and then there was a couple people who asked questions at one point or kind of um, chimed in, and it took away a little bit of the kind of intimacy of the, the normal interviews I do. But it was, it, you know, it's not the worst thing. It was, it was fun. It was fun to do, and it was different. So um, I enjoyed it. Anyway, yeah, thank you very much to Tiffin for doing, uh, for doing that for me, and um, and for letting me check out the M2 rig and um, and all kinds of other stuff at NAB. It was pretty cool. There were a lot of fun people there um, with Tiffin that I hung out with and had some drinks and had some food and. It was great. So thank you very much to Tiffin. Also, thank you to Walter Clausen FX for your continued support. You know, I love you guys. And thank you all for listening. I know you, uh, I know a lot of you listen, so I very much appreciate it. All right. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, One Giant Robot. That's my Instagram. I am on Facebook. You can find me. Uh, I get friend requests all the time. I'll, I'll friend you. Um, and, oh, and my Patreon patreon.com slash walking backwards um yeah i guess that's it so let's get to it here is jerry hallway and then right after that it'll go directly into cat so enjoy thanks for listening here we go ladies and gentlemen come on in we got brad grimmett here and he's also here with jerry hallway and um this is what's happening right here we've got this uh Walking Backwards podcast that we're going to start right now. Are you guys ready to give it a shot? Ready. All right. Ready. Are your mics on nice and loud? Our is mics it just are on. Me? Woo! Can anybody hear yes. me? Yes. Can everybody hear Ready. me? Ready. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> please welcome Brad Grimmett. Woo! Wow. That's me. Holy cow. The, the first live well, it's not really live, but the first in front of a live audience we're, podcast we're live. I'm doing. I think we're live. And I have with me Jerry Hallway. Right. Who uh, ex Steadicam operator and uh, X? I hate that well, X, but yeah, it's true. But inventor, creator, right. deep long thinker, Steadicam operator, yeah. Yes, and you did some giant movies. Yeah, uh, a, long, a long time ago, I worked on things like uh, As Good as It Gets. Uh, I remember the that. Fossil, All the Pretty Horses. Good Lord, I don't remember. But yeah, yeah some pretty you, big films. Your credits are long and varied. I know, right? But was, you're you're. And even maybe bigger impact is your 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 development of Steadicam equipment and things right. like that. Right. Um, but first, when when did you first 
find out about Steadicam? What was your, what I, was your uh, introduction? I went to a lighting workshop in Maine, and uh, we really hated the guy. He, he, he wasn't very good. We were supposed to be... We get this Does this TV turn down? We're getting, a, we're getting a show back here. It's very loud in our ears. <laughs> that, that was me, but um, we can turn that off or down. Anyway, uh, if somebody can work on that, that'd be awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, sorry, go ahead. Uh, anyway, uh, and the friend said, oh, you can take a Steadicam workshop. You'd probably like that. It was back in 1982. So I took a workshop because I had a ridiculous personal film to do. And uh, we threw darts at a map of Washington, D.C., and wherever the darts landed, we went and we filmed with short ends. We didn't know what was going to happen, but I wanted a really great look, and I wanted it to be smooth, and I didn't want it to be handheld. And so I did that. And so you uh, took a workshop just to do your just to do, just that, to do your short personal film. film. Okay, cool. And then uh, I put it down, and then I realized that that's what I really, really wanted to do. And so a year later, I started making little documentaries with people. And then uh, a few years after that, I took a second workshop, which really opened my eyes and made me absolutely convinced that Steadicam was the thing that I wanted to do. Um, I was going to be offered tenure at a university at that time. Right, and I thought, you were teaching, yeah. Yeah, that was death, I figured. Um, that was the end of me. So I uh, simply left teaching and started trying to be a Steadicam operator. That's and so risky. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Especially, I didn't. I, you know, I wasn't out here. I wasn't. Uh, I didn't know anybody but Garrett, and uh, that, that turned out pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and over the years, you and Garrett ended up being yeah, good we, friends we and became best friends and collaborators on a lot of things. And um, one of the things that happened to me is around 1999 or something. I invented a couple of stuff, a couple of things for Steadicam. Um, Including the tilt head and and uh, the basic form of a Steadicam. Was that the was that the first thing you invented or? No, I had, I had done a few other things. Uh, actually, in the Master Series, there was a, a an electronic circuit that uh, made the bubble watchable, the 3A bubble that we had. And yeah. Made it watchable, and uh, I invented that for like twenty five bucks, maybe maybe ten bucks at Radio Shack or something, and they put it into the Master Series, and then they had to sell me one. For like about forty thousand off, <laughs> so that worked out pretty good. You know, that was a good investment. <laughs> uh, and then I invented this tilt head, and then I slowly started making other things, and then got more and more involved in that. But the whole time I was teaching, I was teaching Steadicam, and that that was another big, huge part of my. Yeah, my, my whole career I've known of you as someone who does a lot of the workshops and, and right. teaches a lot of people Steadicam. Right. I, I've done about 150, I think. Wow. Uh, over, oh, uh, wow, well, started 1990. I can't add, what is that, 29 years? How many people per, per class, you think? Uh, 16 to 20. Wow. So there's, I, I, I can't do the math, but it sounds like about 2,000. Yeah, right around 2,000. Yeah. And, and and they come up to me and they you know shake my hand and they say you know you remember me from 19 you know apparently whatever. like I'm the, like one of the very few that didn't take a workshop with you. Uh, well, you know I can't I, I don't know what to say to no, that. Well, there are not many didn't. No, no, but a lot of people did. And I mean, and the thing about workshops, it's not so much they took it from me. Um, I happen to be the quote unquote head instructor, but all that means I kind of manage it. Uh, 
and all the instruction really comes from Garrett. You know, all the of course, yeah. all the all the tips, and and then we we take advice and the experience of all the operators. I mean, we got Randy out here in the audience. I I'm, I knew I'd nail you. One of the most legendary. Yeah, one of the legendary ever. people, and and they do things and share things um, that then we incorporate into this community of operators and the community of teaching. And so, you know, it's not really like I did something. It's like I, I was there to help that process along. You know, that's a nice thing about the world of Steadicam in the community is someone will innovate and then share. Yeah, absolutely. That almost never does someone come up with an idea or mod a piece of gear or come up with a new technique and then not tell everybody else about it. Right. Which is really great. Um, it just helps everyone. Right. It, it's it's so much fun to you know come up with something and share it. Like uh, if anybody out there listening has V mounts, uh, we have a protector now that prevents the V mount from getting bumped and the battery falling on the ground. And uh, I have a bunch of them here, and they're free. And, yeah, if you want that, yeah, I got the protectors. Um, <laughs> so. That's important. I mean, I mean we share mount. this stuff, and now that particular thing is going to be in our new Steadicam as part of the, the package. If you oh, buy you one added, with a V, you added it into it. Yeah. Oh, I, okay. Cool. I mean, we just, but again, it's that sharing of ideas that that Garrett started. I mean, Garrett realized early on if he was the only Steadicam operator, and people suggested that he was. He said he'd be in a circus, and uh, if, right. If if there were a hundred thousand Steadicam operators, there'd be uses for them everywhere. And you know, I got in in 1982, or right, I first took the workshop, and I thought there were too many Steadicam operators in the world at that time. I mean, that that's really dumb. Uh, and there's how plenty many, of how room. many were there? Do you think in '82? What do you think, Randy? Like maybe uh, 20 or 30 around the world? Yeah, in '82. <laughs> Well, my class was 30, and all 30 became Steadicam operators. So may, maybe there were 50-something, but not that many, and not that many at, at the top end. They, it wasn't used that much. But yeah. uh, well, boy, it, was I dumb. And, and how many would you estimate there are now? I've tried to do this before, and no one, no one ever has a good estimate. In the whole world, how many Steadicam operators are there? Not, not just features, but in broadcast and in, in all these countries sure, why and not? stuff. Um, 3,000. 3,000 people really making their living at it, not just okay. diddling around with it, but really it making their living at it. seems a little low to me. Could Maybe be not. more. Maybe Randy. Randy will tell us later. He knows. He knows yeah. all the answers. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So, so, you're, you're, um, so now when you and Garrett work together, or do you work together on stuff, or do you yeah, throw well, out we, ideas we're, back we're, and forth? Or? We're, we're, we collaborate on a lot of stuff, uh, including like the latest Vault thing. That was something that right. we did. I did a part of it, the smallest part. But uh, we, we have some inventions that have nothing to do with Steadicam uh, that we work on together. That I can't talk about because it it's not out yet. Oh, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> but we, we collaborate on uh, a lot of things and kibitz uh, and go back and forth and help each other, even, even if we're not like financially involved in right. some way with this product. I will help him or he will help me right, with sure. my ideas. Sure, of course. I mean, that's what friends and, and do. And then we, we drink together at times. That's so a good that's, idea. That's good, yeah. That's a good idea. Right. Speaking of which. I'm lucky you're drinking drinking with me right now. He wanted red wine. You're a first red wine on, on Walking Backwards. Okay. And 
believe me, Corona would not be. This was last no, minute. No, uh, was last minute. I tell you, the wine's pretty good. Not a big Corona fan, but it is beer. It does qualify. Um, back so to, back to business with the new with the new sleds. What was your obviously the Volt? Did you? Okay, when when the vault I know you came have along, some patents and stuff. Um, I don't know if it, for the new I, I did the mechanical work for the first prototype, which was lasted all of five seconds before the uh, motors blew up. But in that five seconds, we got an idea that it was worth spending a lot of Tiffin's money to make the the Great vault. Great success. And the uh, it took. A, it took a while to get around, you know, get people to believe in it. But then I did most of the original sort of mechanical work on the vault, uh, like where do you place the motors? How's it going to work? How's it going to be balanced? Uh, how big are they? What are the general parameters? And then, and then the 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 engineers at Tiffin, Rob Orff in particular, um, would design it to be in production. And uh, Ty Hargroder also did a lot of work. Designing the boards, the electronic boards, and making sure they fit. Uh, but the genius behind it is a guy named Steve Wagner who came to us about eight years right. ago. I spoke to Garrett about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very he's, interesting. He's he's like one of these savants uh, with math, and uh, he's out there. And uh, oh, is he? Yeah, he's in the blue shirt over there. Oh, we've never the, met before. Okay, who's, interesting. He's watching this live. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, and he's, he, he loves Steadicam, and he had actually made some little uh, Merlin-sized, small-sized things on his own, and he brought it in one day to the factory. And we, we were busy with something else. You know, we had a show, or, and, and we blew right. him off and blew him off. And then he walked in, and he fiddled with it. And it was like this crazy inventor, and the wires were falling apart. And, and the whole thing looked like, oh, what have we done? And then... He flicked the switch and he turned it on, and this thing was stable in a magical way. And it would hold tilt if you made it hold tilt, and it wouldn't waggle, and it, it wouldn't roll, and it would it was perfect. And we're looking at it, and it was made out of uh, drivers for hard drives, and it was just glommed together. Oh, really? By this genius. Oh, wow. And we went, oh, we got we got to make something of that. And it took a while, but we finally got it into this vault. Uh, about two years ago, and now we have it into uh, even integrated even better into our latest. Yeah, I saw it's in the top stage now. Yeah, ha- the brains are in the top stage, which is uh, yeah mechanically a lot better. It doesn't give you vibration and stuff like that, uh, right. which is possible when it's outside. Right. Um, how long did this sled? Because it's an M2 now, right? Yeah. How long did this? How long did? The development take was. I mean, well, how long the, in general the, does it the, take? The first idea Speak for something like that was probably, uh, I don't know, twenty years ago. <laughs> right. But, but in reality, when we finally got around, when Tiffin got around to making the, the the M1, as they made the decision to make the M1, we knew that there would be an M2. Okay. There and there will be. You know, clearly, there's going to be the vault added to smaller and smaller rigs. I mean, the right. technology is the first one was tiny and then the next one was the, as big as we could make it. And right. then we're going to scale it down to all the rigs because it's such a beautiful technology uh, for Steadicam. And, and I, mean, I just got a, uh, an email the other day uh, from a very fine operator who finally got a chance to rent one for a week on a big show. 
you know, really, he's an A camera, a huge, huge movie kind of guy. And he says it's the most revolutionary thing about Steadicam he's ever seen. And that's pretty much what everyone says. Uh, because it doesn't interfere with operating it, but it takes away the, the role and the, the problems of pendulum, being a pendulum. Sure. Which isn't, you know, we all learned how to do it. We all spent hours and years getting really good at it, but it, it, uh, it's not operating. It's not, it's not something that's interesting. It's just something we had to do, like right. carrying the damn thing. That's something you got to do right. to make the machine work. And and now we are relieved, at least mentally, of uh, the effort to to keep it level so much, uh, and so yeah. we can concentrate on what's interesting. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I'm still uh, I still haven't used one to work with yet, so I ca- I have I can't. Well, you've played with it. I've played with. I definitely played with it, um, and I'm getting more and more interested. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. But, <laughs> being interested in it, yeah. I think I think some of the some of the veteran guys maybe I think a lot of them wish they had it and some of them are also like ah oh, these kids today you know what I mean yeah and I'm, yeah, I'm somewhere in there yeah no I <laughs> so, mean we, we we did spend an awful lot of time getting really really good at keeping it upright right uh, uh, and and we're all very proud of it but I, I remember it was a lot of work I remember when we did whip pans before dynamic balance. And the, and the sled would rise up every time you, you just tried to pan it. And so you'd learn in a whip pan to throw it down so the net result was a flat pan. And we were all, like, really proud of ourselves for this skill. When, in yeah. fact, if we just learned how to balance the rig, it would stay flat on its own. I mean, it, right. in some ways, it's kind of like that in, on steroids. Because keeping it level is such a huge deal all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any other kind of innovations that you haven't told anybody about that are... I mean, I, I, I doubt that they'd be as kind of revolutionary as that, but is there anything big no, coming? No, I, I, I think the, the general idea is to make keep making things that make it easier for the operator to do his job, you know. Um, we've been striving to get rid of tools. We've been striving to, to give flexibility to the way things are done. Or if you need to adjust your rig, it's really easy to do so. Right. You know, uh, uh, and like the, the new rig has so many power ports. So if you happen to have a cable that's, that's uh, a P-tap, we have P-taps. If you have a cable that's a, uh, a Limo, we have Limos. We have, you know, it's just right. packed with that stuff and then you try and make it smaller lighter stronger sure and use the new materials and stuff like that sure um, you know when I spoke to Garrett on the podcast we talked about his kind of long-term invention dream of this walking machine which you I'm sure you know all about but right I, I, I spent about 10 minutes trying to help him with that and said <laughs> the hell with it <laughs> My brain went at it for a minute too, and I went, you know, smarter people than me are working on this, yeah, and I'm not. Yeah, I, I just didn't see it, um, which is too bad. <laughs> well, may, I mean, maybe it'll happen one day. But my question was, do you have do you have something like we, that? Uh, nothing revolutionary. No, I, sometimes I feel really dull-witted about what's next. I figure like I'm done. I don't have anything more to give to this. But you know, around the edges of Steadicam, there's there's still little things that I would like to make easier, stronger, better, less obtrusive. Right. But but since you do 
other inventions outside of Steadicam? What what do you spend more time doing, Steadicam type stuff or, uh, it's or is it 50, kind of whatever? No, it's it's kind of a fifty fifty split. I've been doing okay. some some contract work for Garrett on. He has this. Um, stuff for people who have limited mobility yes. kind of a, a kind of like a wheelchair but it keeps people up at the the right height right so they don't feel diminished they're not down and they, and they have a lot more mobility the and a lot more fun yeah. you see people that have not walked in years and they tootle around and they float through space and it's really cool i've, I've seen the videos of you and garrett and Chris, Chris Fawcett yeah. testing it and it's pretty great yeah it's it's an awful lot of fun and so i've kind of helped on that every now and then and uh, normally what they do is they look at it and they realize this is not exactly what they want to do but it helps them out um, right but it, that that's not really me thinking of something I don't, I don't know so you don't have any long term no mm, not right now okay well <laughs> what, as far as inventions go what are you most proud of what's your what um, do you think well, made the most impact a, a little mechanical thing there, there's a clamp that has now been on um, steadicam since the uh oh i don't know about 12 years now and it's the only thing that has been on every steadicam since and it's it's a really it's a little over the center clamp that's adjustable on on the rigs it's on our gimbals it's unobtrusive it's small oh, the clamp on the bottom of the on the, the, on the bottom of the gimbal or the post clamps the, uh, it, really yeah, it's it's a very clever little thing. It is. It goes to different sizes, and it's very unobtrusive, and it's either on or off. It's and, very simple. And it's slick. It, it doesn't get in the way of your hand and operating. It doesn't stick out. doesn't catch cables. And right. I, I'm kind of proud of it because uh, I, I designed it in plastic and machined it up in plastic and then gave it to the company and they said oh we'll give it to these big engineers and know what they're doing and make sure and it came back twice the size of what i had designed and made right and i said no no that that won't do and they said well we're out of money so you're gonna have to learn solidworks and design it up in solidworks and i went oh what's that and why does it run on windows and i'm a mac guy and so i had to learn all this stuff because I really wanted it, and I, I think that's right. sort of the core of invention. Suddenly, you have this this yearning for something, and then yeah, you want to need something. I, to I solve wanted a it, and I wasn't going to let go. You know, it's not not like brilliance; it's just like persistence. Right, right. Um, is that the same one that? So it was on every single sled since uh, since the master or the three A maybe? No, or? no, the master was kind of a. And interesting, it was close, but it, it, it was kind of a failure. It's been on since the uh, the Ultras or the Ultra 2. I can't okay, remember right. which one. Well, I had a Master, so I know the clamp that's on there. It's a little different, and I don't yeah. know that it's metal. I think it yeah. might be plastic. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's a compression clamp that wears out on the Master Series and oh, gives you out. a problem. And this one is a tension clamp, so it all lines up, and it's all very... It works differently. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I see. I understand. Gotcha. Sort of, yeah. No, I think you got to look at it. <laughs> you don't think I have it at all, do you? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I need another drink. Yeah. Um, so, so to your Steadicam days of operating, how long was your career? How long did you do it? Um, I started seriously, seriously operating. I mean, I, I, I learned how in 82, but I right. started seriously operating about 85. And uh, it, it was I, stopped, 85 I keep saying I stopped five years ago. But I've probably been saying that for a couple of years, <laughs> longer than that. <laughs> um, but, but when did you start it, making what, a living at it? Not in '82 or? No, uh, I started making full-time living around '85, '86, from it. 
Okay. And uh, there were, yeah, in the in the nineties, I was working. You know, I'd work on a movie for three months, come home for a day, go off on another movie for two months, come home for a day, and it, it just, you know, I was the usual crazy city cam operator for a while. Um, kept thinking. I'd move out to L.A., kept thinking, and I never had to, and I was kind of happy about that because I'm an East Coast guy. Um, but then slowly with all the workshops and all the inventing and stuff like that, and I got a little tired of 20-year-old directors and actresses who didn't know what they were doing. And, and then when you, and when you work with really, really good people, um, really first-rate actors and first-rate directors, and, and then your life becomes... Working right. with well, that's lesser what I always, talents. Yeah. That's the problem. That's what I always say. Once you work with like top-notch everything, and you have a great time and a great right. product, and you're everybody's happy, then you go to one where there's a troublemaker, or it's not. It's not like or, that or, anymore. Or they, and you know how know, good it. They can don't be. know what their marks are. They don't know how to. It can be yeah. tough. It can yeah, be tough. It's frustrating. Yeah. So. Um, wow. But you, know, you, you mentioned as good as it gets before. Right. Um, did you do that famous shot of Jack Nicholson do, walking? Uh, avoiding the cracks on yes. the sidewalk. Yeah, that was that was all done. That was actually funny. A, a, an invention I did was the antlers, and that was the first time they were ever used. Really? Yeah, and they were just to stabilize roll. Hey, we're in the stabilized roll business, um, and they just allowed me to move the camera really, really lightly and laterally without any pendular kind of effect. Right. And we we ended up actually it never got in the movie, but we ended up shooting on a hundred mil lens at absolute close focus on Jack's eyes as he did that move. Oh that was probably interesting. Yeah. And you know and somehow Eric Swanick, the the AC, managed to keep him in focus. I have no idea how that happened. But of course it was stupid and we were just goofing around and never made the movie. But I, I actually worked only on the reshoots for that. They they had oh, okay. shot principal photography and then a year later they were able to get everybody back because they had shot the ending twice during pr- principal photography and didn't like it. Uh-huh. And they knew they had a great movie but they didn't really have the ending so they came back and shot almost two weeks in reshoots. And at that time, um, things were done on Avids. And so every shot we did, the review was, first, do you like it? You know, obviously, sure. the way normally. And then they had two editing bays in trailers, two full Avids. And the images were fed to the Avids. They'd see if they cut. And if, they, if everybody liked it and it cut, we'd go on to the next take. But if it wouldn't cut, we'd go back and oh, so rearrange the, the shot so, so it actually your, cut because so, they couldn't bring them back again. Right. But so you're taking, uh, uh, you're talking about tap. They're recording your tap. Yeah, they're footage. recording the tap right. and, and seeing if it, I'm like, it actually cut. Did you have a lab it. on set too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to send the film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, I would, and, and because they, you know, today it would be a lot faster. You do it on your, your computer, but they had the two big avid setups. Right. Ready to do it, and it, so it was kind. Of, it was a very strange kind of way of shooting. Yeah, know. because I imagine you do a take and then wait for wait. twenty minutes, and you, you wait for all these different all the approvals. approvals, so that everybody was happy and they didn't have to come back again. And then you do another take, you know, and then you or move on. That's nerve wracking because if if you do one and they don't like it. It's like all the pressure's on you to get... I mean, even yeah, if it do, wasn't your the fault the first one. time. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, that 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 foot shot, and that was done during reshoots, obviously. Right. Yeah. So not only a great shot, but it's to me iconic about the whole movie. Yes. It explains so much of the movie in just one little. Yeah. It, it was him. I actually got to also do the little dog jumping over the cracks. Oh yeah. Later yeah. on, which was really funny because they had a green screen like um, like a horse jump, but for a dog, you know, about about six inches high. And they could remove it because it was green, you know, later on in, in post. But the little dog had to jump. The dog wouldn't avoid the cracks, but he would jump over so this, that's little, how got it to this do it. little fence made out of green material. And I got to do that. And I got to do Jack holding the little doggy up and a, and a right. few other things. So I had fun. That's I shot great, the ending, actually. It's a great The film. actual ending that's in it. So I shot most of that. It was kind of weird. I mean, you feel like you walk in to something. You, you really... You don't have any business being there. You don't really know the script or anything else. You just, right. you just happen to be there and having a, having a great time at the same time. I, I got people in the audience laughing at me. I don't know what the deal is here, you know. With you is better than at you, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the jury's yeah, out on which way. Yeah, they're at me. <laughs> I, I know. Um, you know what? I don't have time, so if, whenever we need to go, let it, somebody let me know, because I, I have no idea what time it is. Um, <laughs> I think we have to be out of here at 6, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah. What, what, how, many, how many more minutes here? Oh, we're two, two hours. hours more? Perfect. That should be just enough. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot, <laughs> a lot to do here. Uh, actually, since we are at NAB, what, what have you seen that's interesting outside, of, or have you spent all the time in the Tiffin booth? I, I, I haven't seen a damn thing. <laughs> really? No. No, I, I get stuck. What happens, we have a lot of helpers here. Yeah. And we don't, in this particular booth, we don't have a lot of Steadicam. So the, the, the helpers, the young Steadicam operators, are, they do all the work. And I sit around and wait for former students and uh, other operators to come up. So that I can have a chat with them and just have a really good time. I, I'm saying this out loud. I might, I might get busted and never invited back. But most of the time, most of the time, I just, I just chat with old friends and kind of say, hey, we got this new thing. And, you know, they're not interested in buying it. And so then we, we get off that subject and we just chat about good old days and other things and houses we've bought or, you know, weird oh, things. Okay. All right. And have a good time. You don't walk around at all, though, huh? Uh, I do eventually, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll go see a couple of things, you know, a couple of things. But because I'm not operating anymore, like, I'm not, I'm not desperate to go see the new camera. I'm not desperate to go see, you know, some other gadget, unless it's just curious, you know. And if somebody's got some, something I've never seen before, then, yeah, I'll go, I'll go look at it and, yeah. and stuff like that. But. I kind of walk around and look a little, and then it's like a museum. I'll see one later. You know, you, there's to, like to three you. things you want to see, and then there's all those other things. Right. That, well, I went over. Did, have you have you looked at the Super Techno 75? No. 75 foot Techno that sitting right behind the thing. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool. It's pretty cool. Randy, Randy's waving. Do you have? Oh, go ahead. Oh. Yeah, that was Randy that was a, Nolan asked what the Skyman was. There was or, this thing at one point before Skycam became a big thing, and before all the drones and before all the stabilized cameras, there was a need to have a flying camera low to the ground that was stabilized. And the simplest thing to do, um, 
And this was after Jimmy Muro did this wonderful shot in, in Mighty Quinn. The simplest thing it, it occurred to Garrett and I to do was um, put a man on a, on a special contraption on a wire. And you could pull him up and down or you could let him ride free or something like that. And, and it was so d- dangerous in one yeah. way that we... Um, we said we'd never sell it, but I, I did an awful lot of completely idiotic things at high speed and hundreds of feet in the air. And I did one shot that went absolutely, we used it in a different way, like an elevator. We went 200 feet straight up out of a hockey rink through the roof. and uh, with, the, with the rig on. With the rig on, yeah. Yeah. Good thinking. It, and, then, and then the dumb thing was that between shots, instead of being let down to the ice where, you know, I, if something happened, I, I wouldn't get hurt. I had the people at, at the roof that opened up just a little bit. I had my friends stand next to me so I didn't feel so lonely 200 feet in the air. But it didn't occur to me to just be let down to the ground until, oh, we're going to do another shot. Okay, let me down to the ground. This, I'll do another shot. I mean, this, this honestly sounds like something I would hear Jeff Mark talk about. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, Jeff was crazy like that, too. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the one thing, I, just an invention that, here's an invention that never happened. It was in my head. I took Skyman, which flew down the yes. wire, and Steadicam has about two or three feet laterally and two or three feet vertically. So at some point under the wire, wherever the wire went, you had this little window where you could put the camera. And I said, well, it'd be really nice if that window is bigger. And I made a crane for 40 pounds where there was a guy on one end being a counterweight, and me and the regular Skycam was on the other end. And, and the range of boom now was five feet each way, so 10 feet wide and 10 feet high under the, under the wire. So now anywhere under the wire, you know, and this wire might be 1,000 feet long, I had to control the space 10 by 10, 1,000 feet long, and people could not, you know, be in it. And, you know, on a movie set, people get distracted. And it was wonderful. It was so stable. Um, we had Caleb Deschanel on it as a test once, just hanging from a tree. We weren't going anywhere. And it, it was crazy. And I realized it was just way too dangerous. And this thing just has been packed away. It was like, you know, eight or ten grand. Did, did, anybody, time. did anybody else use one? I know Jimmy did. Obviously, were you inspired by the, the Jimmy yeah, Muro Yeah, shot? it was a Jimmy Muro thing, and Jimmy was a friend of mine, and we talked about it. And then Garrett and I said, well, we have to do something. We can't just grab onto something. We need a, we need a device that is designed to take advantage of the Steadicam. It had a bar right. stool, which reminds me. Oh, yeah, have a, have a sip of your wine there. Yeah. It, you it had it a basically bar stool? worked like a, like a bar stool, so you could go around and around. Cheers, Andrew. And uh, Hey, what's up? And, you, and it was the cool thing was it was acceleration compensated. Uh, a regular vehicle, you stop at going 25 miles an hour, and the Steadicam falls, you know, flies out of your hands, and it's like hopeless. So this thing is its own pendulum, and you know, when you lean back, the Steadicam comes towards you. So when you're when you're going along, and you stop this thing lean back or when you started really fast it would lean forward and make the camera go forward so you were in a little universe that well, had you could no control it a little total totally steady cam compensated and and just just to tell you how bad it was i was doing a, Gar- a garth brooks concert and i'd be let down to the stage and then there was a a tether wire that would 
with a bunch of guys that would haul me back up to number one and then I'd flow down and well my grip saw that there was a kink in the in the tether wire and he knew that I would stop cold so he he's 200 pounds he grabbed it and he goes up like curious George up into the first pulley right and stops me so I'm going about 20 miles an hour stop dead cold all right so I start pivoting up my pendulum. I got a lot of energy. I'm going up. And pretty soon I'm lying on my back looking at the ceiling. And I'm going, oh, this is kind of interesting. And then I have so much momentum, I'm going up. And I'm over a crowd of real people and everything. And I'm thinking, well, the next minute's going to be really interesting. Because I'm going to stop going up. And then I come down. And what's the wire going to do? Is, is it going to break? What, am I dead? So I, I just came down. And I landed and but I was in this funny universe where the Steadicam never wanted to go away from me. I was just like, up, oh, okay, now I'm back down. Here I am. Oh uh, let's go back to number one and see if everything's okay. And, was you know, change last... my pants and, and then on we go. Was this the last job you ever did with that No, thing? no, no, oh no. That was, that was early on. It, it gave me a lot of people. confidence. <laughs> <laughs> because I always That's thought Jimmy's shot was crazy. No, but... Jimmy, Jimmy's shot... It, change. We'll talk about Jimmy's shot. Everybody ought to see this shot uh, from Mighty Quinn. Jimmy realized that he wanted to do something really, really big to end this movie, Mighty Quinn, this little movie. Oh, yeah. And there was a burning house down at the bottom of a hill. And the grips had arranged a cable to carry all the grip equipment and the fire equipment and the food and catering and whatever they had to get up and down the hill. And Jimmy said, well, you know, if if I can grab onto this this device and you guys can lower me down the hill then and maybe if we practice I can get off at the bottom and run around that the hut with Denzel Washington and they practiced it and but the cool thing that Jimmy did is he didn't just get on and and point at the burning house and then show you and then you watch the burning house get closer and closer and then that no he 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 made a shot out of it and the shot was Denzel comes up in, in this van. You, you don't see the house. You just see the road. And Denzel's the first one to get out of this, this Jeep. And the, the driver gets out slower. Denzel, and then he starts going down the hill. And Denzel gains on the other guy. Denzel's faster. He's more determined. And then you see a bigger space. And then finally you see the burning house. So it's like one, two, three, four. He gives you it. Not just, oh, it's all there at once and you've got to figure out what's going on. And then get to the bottom and... Denzel has to talk to somebody to find out where his girlfriend is, who's behind the house, and then he runs around. And it's all, it's all designed as a shot. Even though he's doing the coolest thing that had ever been done with Steadicam, jumping on a, a wire and going down this hill at high speed, um, impossible, like a, like what a helicopter. What year Do you remember? Sorry. What year was that? Oh, boy. Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. Boy, you are. But, well, when did you come up with the Sky Man, then? The, the 80s? I'm 19, I want to say 1995, somewhere oh, that between late? 90 and 95, oh, okay. somewhere around 90, I think. Weren't I can't you remember. guys working on Skycam already? Or Yes, he had been, Garrett had been working on the Skycam, but then they didn't have enough money and it went away and it, oh, it, right. it died. And then Jimmy did this wonderful thing. Um, so you went to the simple the, version? I mean, the, the, for people who don't know, the cool thing about Steadicam, of course, is that it doesn't care about us walking or it doesn't care about the floor shaking or it doesn't care about a wire vibrating. It still is stabilized and isolated from all that. And so Jimmy realized, well, I can fly down on something. And then we realized we can fly down on something in a little bit more controlled way. Right. 
That's interesting. And when did that die? It's, uh, it's much needed death uh, <laughs> before anyone else did. Yeah, uh, not that long ago. I'll say 10 years ago, I probably did the last shot. The last one, I, I gave up on it. It's when someone said, uh, we want you to shoot this cool thing at the end of the movie. And I go, okay. And they said, well, there, there's going to be this uh, dump truck or a cement truck or something. It's going to plow into five houses. And what we want you to do is be in front of it and, you know, track all the houses in front. And, and, and I said, well, that doesn't sound very good to me. You know, stuff's going to be flying. And they said, well, you're going to be above it. And I said, yeah, but my wire that keeps me alive, that keeps me up in the air, is going to be above these houses. And a dump truck flying into houses is going to kill them. It's going to probably throw something up into my wire. And no thank you. <laughs> so you so said I think no. that was the last thing anybody asked me to do. And I finally said, nah. I know. So you did a lot of... I don't know if I've ever seen one of those shots. Maybe the Garth Brooks one or something. Um, trying to think. In, uh, I'm the sure there were some oh, movies. A movie, American Me, with Edward James Olmos. Oh, um, okay. It, there was a shot that was 1,200 feet long, the shot. It went down uh, a hill and up a hill, and the guys are running in front of the camera, and they're, they're running full speed. Uh, I'm going backwards, shooting, you know, shooting backwards and uh, they're running full speed about five feet away from me and and the shot has the record number of oh shoot I can't think of the name what, what are the huge lights that up like muscos muscos I have the record for the largest number of muscos ever in a single shot there were at least nine of them in shot <laughs> by de- by design yeah uh, who knows <laughs> there they are. Okay. It's one of, one of my favorite statistics that I, I blew it totally. <laughs> but, you know, they, they look just like streetlights in this city, so nobody really cared. And they're so far away. And Where, where was it? Uh, East L.A. City? Oh, in East L.A.? Yeah. Okay. Huh. Yeah, it was, a, it was a very scary movie. We were in Folsom Prison with real killers and all those nasty people. Um, I mean, backing out, taking, taking Edward James almost and the actors out into the prison yard and... It's real prisoners, and uh, they're surrounding you. And, and they behaved that week. They only killed a couple of themselves, and only two murders that week because they, they were behaving. I've shot I've shot in East LA too, and felt felt like I yeah. was. Uh, but like I've said before, if you pay off the right people, you're safe yeah. anywhere. And, they, and Edward James almost had so much street cred. Right. That, Nobody yeah. was going to mess no, with him. No one. And, right. They did. They did have a problem because some of the actors were from one gang and and they were shooting in another gang's territory. Oh. They did have some problems, but uh, Edward James almost sort of quelled all that. So they, but it was a little dicey once or twice. It seems like we just got started. We haven't even finished one drink, but so, I think somebody just said two minutes. I think we. No, they probably should have. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, geez. Oh. Randy Nolan just chimed in that the caterer on American Me got shot in a drive-by. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess we have to wrap yeah, it up on we're that. Wrapped. Uh, we're wrapped. Wonderful done. statistic. It's good. <laughs> Thank, thanks so much, Jerry. And uh, I'm sorry it's not longer. I wish we had more time. We had fun. All Karen. right. Thanks Thank again. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody.
Ladies and gentlemen, come on in. We've got our live podcast. We've got Brad Gromet here. He is a camera operator, steady cam operator, over 20 years, and he is the founder of the Walking Backwards podcast. So, Brad Gromet, come on in. And we also have Kat Kalorgis. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a live broadcast, and right now, this is Tiffin, and this is the Walking Backwards. Here we go. Big round of applause. Check, check. Oh, it's working now. Is your <laughs> technical technical uh, issues. My brain doesn't we work. Got, we got it going. <clears throat> How are you? Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for thanks for doing this, Kat. I know you claim to be a little shy, but I don't see that. Oh, God. She's going to be... <laughs> we're drinking bourbon. Feel a little better. Yeah. Um, so you asked me, you were asking me what I was going to ask you, and I told you you'll find out what I ask you. Yeah, we're going into this a little cold, so uh, forgive yeah. me. And she's never listened to the podcast ever, which is I find very rude, but she's busy. so. I'm sorry? <laughs> I tried once. It wasn't because it was bad. It's just uh, I was had by Wi-Fi or all something All right, like that. okay. You, you're all right. So you're here doing demos and stuff with people, yeah. running, running around. But in the in your real life, you're an actual Steadicam operator. Yes. Doing what kind of work? What do you work on mostly? Um, I I landed in the broadcast field uh, about ten years ago. So. So mostly live stuff. Live stuff, multi-camera shoots. Uh, you know, you're, it's not all about you. You have a bunch of cameras there. You have a director on your head, AD, uh, switcher, live. So it's whatever's going on right then and there. Everybody sees, and if you mess up, everyone sees, and if you do well, everyone sees. So right. it's a bit of an adrenaline rush with it. Yeah, cool. Um, you were mentioning, what was it yesterday? There's some new, like, are they, it's like a, um, it's like WWE or whatever, but it's but it's different. What's it called? I can't. It was. It's uh. called um, Ring of Honor. Right. And, and you were telling me, me about bringing people. Yeah, yeah. They they were totally new for me. I never had done anything like this before, and um, they called me a, like a week before, um, and uh, it was pretty much just WWE type stuff. Madison Square Garden, new organization, sixteen thousand seats sold out in forty five minutes. So they wanted to have steady camp. It's pretty popular. Yeah, I, I guess so. I had no idea, and um, the they had always used handheld for their entrances. Right. So they had this big stage set up, you know, pyrotechnics, cryo streamers, confetti, have you. It's all this kind of stuff for each entrance for each wrestler. Oh, gee. <laughs> and it's a 50-foot ramp from the entrance to the ring. Uh-huh. I thought we were starting at 8 or 9 o'clock. We ended up starting at 6.30. Right. And I had to do 30 entrances in the first, like, 40 minutes or so. Wow. I had no idea. I had just eaten. Thank God I need a lot. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that would have been bad. Yeah. But, um... I mean, I was sweating. So it's just, yeah. it's just bring them on, yeah, back I mean, one, bring them on. Every minute, another guy was being introed. Wow. So by the time I got back to the ring and, and introing them, I had to go right back and bring someone else out. Right. So I was, I got a workout. It's one of those jobs that yeah, keeps you Yeah, I got a workout. The first 40 minutes were the hardest. The rest of it was pretty easy. I mean, there was ladders involved that I had to watch out for and, uh, and uh, tables. Oh, they're like and, throwing ladders and, and chairs really at each crazy. other? It was really crazy. I mean, I have a new respect for them because... They, um, they're athletes, and they're acrobats, and they're actors, and right. they're a little crazy, I think, but they're <laughs> I have for, a new respect for, for it. For fake, it's pretty real, yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, that's cool. Um, so 
How did, because your name I heard from Ron Baldwin years ago, but I don't know where you came from. Did you start in the business doing something else? Like, uh, you know, were you a PA? Were you, or what, what? Did Ron Baldwin say anything good? Wait, what? Did he say anything good about me or was it? I'll tell you later. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, uh, I pretty much knew I wanted to be a Steadicam operator. From when? From, from, from birth? No, not from birth. From, <laughs> from when I went to film school. That's where I was introduced to it. Okay. And, Where'd um, you go to film school? I went to NYU. And um, not worth the money. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> sorry, NYU. <laughs> But, I mean, for that kind of money, they should get you work right away. Right. So I didn't have that many connections in the industry. Uh-huh. And um, I did my, my, my film project, and Aaron Medic actually agreed to be my DP. Aaron Medic, who now DPs Power, yeah. and he's worked on I, um, what's that? I, Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot, yeah. Um, he agreed to, to DP my short as long as he could use his brand-new Steadicam. And that was my introduction to Steadicam. When, when was that? 2000 uh, 2000 <laughs> 2004 okay yeah cool so that was your your short film uh, your student short film kind yes. of thesis thing yeah. or whatever giving years gives my age but it's okay so no you're a lot younger than me so don't worry about it okay good well, I guess that's good but uh, yeah I did it in 2004 and then you know there's always this kind of like stereotype that you have to be and Aaron's a big dude you know so I right. thought you had to be a man Right. A strong man to carry all this equipment and right. everything. And he let me try it on. I mean, he had to put all these different sweatshirts on me to make the thing fit. Oh, because his vest was way too big? big. Yeah, it was yeah, way yeah, too yeah. big. There's no way. Yeah. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with it, what it could do. I fell in love with the freedom of it. And, right. Um, but I just didn't think I could do it. And it took me five years to uh, reach out to him and say, hey, this is something I really want to pursue. What should I do? And he directed me to the Steadicam workshop in Philadelphia. Right. And I took that workshop. I had never worked as a camera assistant. I didn't do anything like that. Okay. Never, nothing. No family in the industry. No friends in the industry. Right. Took that workshop. I met Peter Abraham. Um, and cool. he recommended me for my first big broadcast gig, which was the Gail King show on Oprah Winfrey Network. Oh, okay. And it was live. Two hours a week, two hours a day. Live, live, or live to tape? Live, live. Wow. Two hours a day, five days a week. The first hour was radio, the second hour was TV. But it was live. Wow. And he recommended me, and I got the gig. And then from then on out, the, the Was that your first job? That was, no, it wasn't my first oh, job. Okay. I mean, I did little things here and there. Right, 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 right. Um, Trying to find work. But he thing, thought yeah. I was a good fit. It was a small studio. It was like one of the small studio spaces in New York. Okay. And he thought I would be a good fit. And he believed in me, and I, I, I did the interview. They hired me. Um, I think they liked my personality or whatever. Sure. It helps. And um, I got the gig. I worked there for a year. For, for me, it was like paid practice. Right. You know? And, and that, that live thing I had never done before. He came to my father's diner, which I worked in at the time, <laughs> and showed me how to work a tether. And uh, what I would have to look out for and just made suggestions, came to me to, to help me. Peter did? or Peter Abraham. Oh, that's so yeah. nice. Yeah. Hey, he's a sweetheart. He's a nice guy. You know, yeah. He goes above and beyond for people he doesn't even know. He just he just helps people out in our industry, in our Steadicam world. So um, he got me that first gig pretty much, you know. And, and then after that, the people I met along the way, sure. each job led to the next one. And that's the network I built, and that's the world I've pretty much stayed in is the broadcast world. Right, yeah. Do you, and you like that? You have no plans to change that? or? 
I mean, I would I wouldn't mind doing something different. Right. Um, but. I do like it. I, at first, I was kind of like, oh, man, I really want to do this other thing. But the adrenaline that you get during a live show, sure. I, I don't see getting that anywhere else. No, well, the difference is else. you get one shot at it. Yeah, that's it. You know, Especially that's with, it. like, sports and stuff. Yeah. And I've done a little bit, not a lot, a little bit of baseball, a little bit of basketball b- way back when. And, um, yeah, when you know you're on the air. Yeah. It's a different, it's a whole thing. Yeah. It's a thing. It's totally different. <laughs> and yeah. it's different than doing something, you know, five takes, six takes, seven takes, you know. Yeah. Like, there's just not the pressure that for live. So there, there's no. a whole different mentality. Like I said, you mess up, everyone sees, you know. You fall down, <laughs> everyone the good, sees. The good part about that is they, they see it and then it's over. Yeah, then you move on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so there's some of that. Like, if you don't do a shot, like you're on that show or we're on that show. Yeah. And I'm sure you had typical moves that would you would do every day kind of thing or something similar. So if you don't quite nail it one day, you have a chance to nail it live the next day, you know? Yeah. Which is kind of cool. It's, it's great. kind of like take two, but... Yeah. <clears throat> but um, I like it. Yeah. Um, so you obviously, you grew up in New York, huh? I did. How you did t- you know? I, no idea. There's slight accent. Yeah. I said coffee this morning, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> coffee. Less, less and less people have that accent these days, it seems like. You think so? I, I can't I don't shut know. it. It's, you probably go to New York to all the time and hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't notice it until I, you know... Someone points it out to me usually. Oh, okay. I'm glad, Thank to, be, you. glad to be that person. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so is most your, I, I, you said broadcast stuff, but is most your stuff live? Most or half or? Yeah. I mean, I have um, a job I do every Friday and Saturday night. It's a live show. Um, What's that? It's uh, live PD. Uh, oh, no way. You do that? Yeah, I'm I've in the never studio. Seen it, but I'm not on the street. I'm not, I'm not. Oh, that's I'm probably safe. better. I'm in the studio. And um, I do all the, it's a very small studio again, and, you, you know, you, you make it work. You, you know, you don't have a lot of space, but you make it look big, and you sure. and you try to be a bit more dynamic with your moves and whatnot. But um, that I do that every Friday and Saturday night when, when uh, football season kicks in. I do a, a live show every Sunday morning. Um, four hours live show. Oh, what shit? Uh, they uh, like talk about show? football for four hours. Oh, God. It's, you know, one of those shows. <laughs> but Are you into football? I have no idea what they're talking about. Oh, okay. About. So, yeah. Mm. <laughs> but I have funny. Anyway, it's a great crew. Um, and uh, the director's really cool. So I have a good time. That's with cool. Them. Nice yeah. nice people matter. Yeah, of course. So between Friday and Sunday morning, um, within the 36 hours, I'm shooting 10 hours of live TV content. Right. That's cool. Yeah. That's that's nice to have, like, regular gigs, too. Oh, it's great. And then everything else is kind of gravy, you know? And you sure. And with it. Sure. Um, oh, God, what was I going to ask you? I stumped I for- you? I forgot. <laughs> oh, no, li- Live PD. I've, ne- yeah. I've never watched it, but I've heard about it. Yeah. Is it... Is there a formula to it, or or do they jump around all the time? Like, it's, do you know when you're going to be on? Or each night you have no idea what's going to happen. Okay. Because there's there's eight different um, camera units with eight different police departments across the country, right? And they dip in and out of them. Um, and they have some kind of crazy wireless. Yeah, they work through the 4G network. They use all the different um, cell phone networks to make it work. Right. From the cameras. It's so it's weird. Really crazy. How's the image quality? You know, every once in a while it breaks in and out here right. and there. Well, that's going to happen. But, but that kind of almost like adds to the life factor. Like it's people right. know it's not BS. This is really live. Right. And, right. And um, I think that's what they love about it. 
Yeah. yeah. It was only supposed to run for eight episodes, and we're approaching episode 200 very soon. No way, really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, so it was like a test at the beginning? Yeah, I mean, it was it was brought to, um, to A&E as a sort of giving people the perspective of what it is to be like a, a police officer in the United States because they were getting kind of a bad reputation at the time, and they just wanted to give some insight on, right. hey, you know, they're not all bad. Take a look at what they have to deal with. And it was always supposed to be eight episodes, and then it became right. this huge... Thing. sensation like it's it's the number one show every friday and saturday night is it really yeah wow that's crazy i know i i got really lucky and it's again a great crew and you know when you work with people long enough they become like a second family so yeah I, I love the people i work with that's nice yeah do you ever meet the the, the field people every once in a while they'll come into the the, yeah. the the studio and you know check out how we do things right the the control room is actually bigger than the studio itself it's just it's uh, oh, right. yeah, yeah, all yeah. the different feeds that are coming in all the people that are watching all the different feeds giving yeah. information to the producers who then decide where they're going to go to and again you never know where you're going to go so it's right. you really have to pay attention to what's going on um, as you're working it Right. Yeah. Are there t are there times when there's like nothing going on? Yeah, and that's when so we have packages. So do they go to the studio all the time? Yeah. Well, we have packages that. They, oh, like pre-cut things. Those teams are out working during the week, just getting um, packages ready for times like those, so that it's still an interesting I show. Yeah. I see. So on Wednesday they they shot the car chase or whatever, and then yeah, they'll, stuff like right. that. And they can dip back to it from a week or two ago, or you know this or that. But right. It's still really interesting. Do they stay in the same place, or do they move to a new town every week, or what? Um, every, I would say every season they'll move to oh, another but otherwise place. They're in but like but there are a season. lot of places that stay the same all the time. Wow. Where, where do they do? Where is it? Um, we had Slidell at one point, Louisiana. We had North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, Georgia, Utah. Um, gotcha. They're trying to get to New York, but there's some <laughs> issues with that. Oh, really? Yeah, because the mayor has towns don't it. want towns don't want it. Yeah, they feel right. They, they feel like maybe it's a bad portrayal of what their what their town is like. But the fact is, no matter where you go, there's going to be some sort of crime. Of course. You know, it's just we're there to see it. Right. Yeah. I think that the fear would probably be that something really. A cop does something really bad on yeah, camera. Yeah, I mean, and there is a little bit of lag time just in case. I'm sure you have you to have see, delay. I mean, if there's something, bit, yeah. like if somebody got shot live on TV, I mean, yeah. you know, oof, or or something well, really, or there, naked people, or there was some bad stuff that had happened right before oh, really? the show, and they they made the production team hand in the tapes and give everything tapes, right. <laughs> media, yeah, give it in so that nobody could see it ever. And, um, really? It was so bad that they asked, you know, the crew if they wanted to go home early from seeing what they had seen. Yeah. So it wasn't like a bad cop thing. It was like a. It, it was somebody died and uh, oh, yeah. it was seen like on super camera. brutal, yeah. awful. Oh yeah. no! Yeah. Before you went on air. Before we went on air. Oh man. Yeah. That's crazy. Never to be seen, you know, just tucked away somewhere. Yeah. yeah. You know, John, John Hankhammer and I talked about this a little bit um, on the podcast because he used to shoot. Cops still, or? Uh, no, he used to shoot still photograph, uh, still photographs for newspapers. Okay. And I used to shoot news for a CBS affiliate. Okay. Way back when, so I've seen um, my fair share, more than my fair share of like more dead things bodies than you would rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, 
But it, it, like, would you prefer if they asked you, hey, do you want to go be the no. field per You don't want to do it? <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> well, there's I'll, no I'll steady. Stay in the studio. <laughs> I know there's no steady cam anyway, but like you would. I don't think it really. Maybe with the with the new thing they came out with, they could probably pull it off. Right. With that. Yeah. What, what is it? You want me to look? What, what is that called? I don't know. The steady mate. Maybe oh, they could pull oh. off doing that, running out of the cars and all that. Right. Um, but wearing a full rig, coming in and out of the cars and chasing whatever needs to be done, it's it doesn't really make sense for for our no. camp setup. No, no, but no, maybe no. that. Although Rob, do you know Rob Vona? He yes. did a bit of that on Amazing Race. Oh, okay. Not quite, not quite, not quite, not. Yeah, you know, it's not like, live. Oh yeah, no. Oh, it's not live. Is it's it? not live. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. But he, he was like riding around and like. No, I'm sure there was still a lot of running gun doing... stuff, but. Yeah, and it wasn't chasing cops makeup. or anything yeah. either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I used to know some of the guys who did those cop shows uh, that did cops. Yeah. And I mean, they had some harrowing store harrowing stories. I'm sure these guys all wear bulletproof vests and everything, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and some of them are really athletic and they can really run <laughs> fast. Right. Because yeah, they have to jump over fences with cameras and you know. All this kind of stuff. So it's so wild. So how do they do that? Do they have a producer with them, or yeah, they feel producers with them. Like so, Each it'll be like what, a camera, a producer. Oh, there's going to be sound. Yeah. Just chasing Which one cop much, or well, two they cops. They have uh, the police officers are mic'd, and then they have the the boom, you know, on the camera mic. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's it. Camera mic and a mic on the, the on the, the laps, officer. Yeah. That's it. Oh, yeah. okay. So there is no sound. I mean, there's no sound person. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I mean, it's department. really run and gun. Each team is like... Yeah. yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. That is nuts. And how do they do... Oh, uh, anyway, the 4G thing fascinates me, too. Yeah, I mean, I can get you in touch with the guy that set it up if you wanted. <laughs> the thing is, it's yeah. not information I need. Okay. It's just kind of information well, I want to know. I thought you were fascinated. What's I'm a little fascinated. I'm sure there's somebody here that could tell me all about it. Somewhere in this convention hall right now, someone could explain exactly what it, what is happening. How it works. I just don't know where to find them. Yeah. Um, so, so you've been doing Steadicam how long now? Ten years. So ten years ago was the own network thing that, or, or, or yeah, something like that. Oh, yeah. cool. And uh, and what are your what are your future, like what what do you like doing the best? Do you like doing I the love, sports show or the? Well, I love shooting live music, like live oh, concerts. Oh really? Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, that's my favorite. So you're you know, a music even, fan in even general. Even if it's not music that I like, I still get into it. Okay. And I feel the groove, and it's just like you're dancing to it as you're operating. Right. You know, and uh, I have I have a great time with that. How often do you get to do that? I used to do it all the time. I haven't done it so much anymore. All the yeah. time for what? Like at Madison um, Square Gardens? Or? No, no. This company that used to do like title concerts that would only air on title. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Is title still a thing? <laughs> I believe it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it lost like a gazillion dollars. <laughs> Oh, wait, whatever. Yeah, uh, but they can they can afford it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's so if you had it your way, that that's what you would do. Yeah, not, I mean not all the time, but yeah, I I like doing it. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I mean it does kick your butt. I mean you're you're doing a live concert. You're not really putting the rig down. I mean I, right. I did an Usher concert. I was wearing the rig for an hour and forty five straight. Didn't put it down once. So it's it Ooh. does abuse your body. Yeah. But, uh, you know, in the moment, you don't feel it because you're having such a good time. And then when you stop at the end of the night, you're like, oh, that was an hour and 45 minutes wow. in the rig. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun to me. Yeah. Well, 
Usher. He was playing to the camera. He was having fun. He's a great entertainer. So That was for one of the title things? It, it was... I believe it was. It was during a Sugar Bowl a few years ago in, um, in New Orleans. Oh, really? Yeah, and I was wearing... Um, it was supposed to rain, so I was wearing a rain jacket that didn't have a lining. Uh. And I wasn't able to take it off the whole night. So at the end of the night, when the utility took it off, it was like, like, oh. like just stuck to me and came off. It's like wearing a sweatsuit. Oh. I think I lost five pounds that night. It was I bet you great. did. <laughs> wow, without the thing, you probably lost five pounds. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Um, so that, so, hmm, what other, what other, what's your other thing? Do you like the studio stuff as opposed, or it seems like maybe you don't. Maybe you like being well, out. the studio stuff is nice because, you know, you don't have to deal with the weather elements ever. Right. You know, so, yeah, sure. You know, like I, I uh, two years ago we did New Year's Eve in Times Square. It was negative ten. So that's a weather element that you have to deal with. Yeah. Last year it was torrential downpour, a weather element you'd rather not deal with. Yeah. So uh, the the shows are fun. It's it's fun in the moment, but you, these are factors that you have to think about. Yeah. And in the studio. You don't have to worry about that, except uh, for the fact that you have to make it really cold for, say, Alec Baldwin, because he likes a cold studio. Right, <laughs> you know, right, right, like right, right. But, you know, wear your beanie and your 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 little neck cover and your, your yeah. set. Yeah. Luckily in L.A., we don't have to deal with too much weather stuff, but well, I work all over. I did a show in Chicago so t- through the winter. so oh, I yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I, I do. <laughs> so I like I, my cushy studio <laughs> when I can. Yeah. Luckily, that show was mostly on a stage, but, you know, we went out. That's good. I, I think we went out in minus 20 one day and shot in a cemetery. Uh, that was uh, that was so cold. My, um, I was lifting my, I was like sitting like this on the dolly because mm-hmm. if I touched the metal dolly, I could feel the cold just rushing up through my feet. Yeah. It was it was coming through the, the dolly. The, the heat out of you, really. Oh, okay, sure, you're right. right it was like dragging out of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it, you could, it was palpable. I could feel it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, I get Torture. it. Torture. One of the actors um, said, <laughs> they were out doing the scene and they were about to do take five, and one of the actors turned to the heated tent where the director was uh, currently located. Yeah. And said very loudly, um, <clears throat> if she wants to do another one, she can come the F out here with us. Because <laughs> they're sitting there shivering. They're in, like, regular suits, you know? Yeah. And they have long johns on and stuff, but they're freezing. I mean, everybody's freezing. Like, we, I had, like, a coat that's good down to minus 40, you know? Yeah. But my feet and fingers felt like they were going to fall off. And I'm sure know? the last thing the director's thinking about is that. They're thinking about the shot. Yeah. They're not even thinking about what everybody's going through. Yeah. There's that disconnect. There's definitely a disconnect. When you're in the warm tent and you're looking at a monitor, you don't you don't think that they're sitting right outside. It's like a horse with blinders on. You have no idea what's going on around. No, you're right. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, But needless to say, um, we moved on. We did not do it. Got it. That was enough. <laughs> that, that was enough. <laughs> enough said. Usually talent can do that. <laughs> yeah. And we were we were all very happy about it, believe me. Yeah. Um, so you did New, Year, New Year's Eve, huh? Yeah. I've been yeah. told I should go to New Year's Eve in New York once. No. And I, I don't think... You, no? <laughs> no. Okay. Unless I you're getting paid for it, I don't see why. Right. It's like you can't, you can't even find a bathroom, right? Kind of thing? No. Once you get your spot, you have your spot. You cannot move from your spot unless you have like... Maybe now there's like you security can use, stuff like a too, bottle right? or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now there's like security where they like lock you in places, right? Because they don't. Right. I mean, from what I learned is every New York City rookie cop that year has to work New Year's Eve. 
Uh, so every rookie cop is there. Every, I mean, the, it's it's serious, a serious force working New Year's Eve on right. in Times Square, and and you're you're dealing with all the different networks at the same time. So you'll have seven or eight Steadicam operators in Times Square at the same time working for all these different networks. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and transmitters that you're I was fighting about to against. Ask, that's exactly what I was going to ask Yeah, you. I don't know how they do it. You know, I leave them to their job, and I do mine. But they figure it they out. They, like, dial in direct frequencies. They, yeah, and we have to walk all through Times Square to make the transmitters are always working, you know, during rehearsals and whatnot. You know, oh. do it the two days beforehand. Oh, okay. Make sure everything's working. Audio, picture, uh, receiving, return, all that stuff. Make sure everything's working. Right. Yeah. Um, I remember years ago, Alec Jarnigan talking about being in Times Square and he couldn't get his modulus to work or something. And yeah. um, I can barely get my modulus. I mean, you're in the desert with no signals, the modulus. <laughs> or sometimes yeah, it so would, sometimes New it would. New York definitely wouldn't, wouldn't yeah, help him out. You remember those little, because we, we shot on a thing called film, which nobody knows about anymore. Yeah. Have you ever done a film job? I have not. Ah, what'd you shoot your short film on? Oh, 16. See? So there you go. Well, it doesn't really count. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't steady cam operated on a film. I know. Job. It still kind of counts. You've, seen the, you've you. seen the flicker. Thanks for giving me that one. <laughs> How'd that turn out? The film? Yeah. Were yeah, you I happy was a dumb kid, man. So now <laughs> I'm not, right. I look back on it and I'm like, wow, I could have done so many different things so much better. But well, you that's how you learn. learn. Yeah, exactly. that's how you learn. Yeah. How, much do, how much do you spend on a short film? <laughs> I think that was five grand for me. Oh, that's it? Yeah. That, but I, I mean, mean, that's a lot of money to a kid, but... Well, I, I did it. You know, I didn't have mommy and daddy funding my film, so it was, you know, I had my five grand and... And some it. people did have mommy and daddy. Yeah, some people had spending? mommy and daddy spend 30000 on their film. I, right. Yeah. Yeah. I had mommy and daddy paying for my tuition. I wasn't going to ask them for 30000 for my film, so... Well, it's nice that they were paying for the tuition. Yeah, they did. They, they were good to me. I remember my friend did a short film, 16 millimeter long time ago um, she spent 15 or 18 or something and that felt like a lot now if you tried to shoot on film $15,000 is it's nothing everything's so much more expensive yeah. <clears throat> and video is so cheap now everybody has a camera I mean now shoot somebody mentioned the other day like oh even Steven uh, Soderbergh shoots on an iPhone you know yeah, I think silly. he made a film or something I wonder if they paid him to do it what do you think that's a that's a good question. <laughs> if somebody knows Steven know. Soderbergh, about it. have him know. call me. I, I want to have him on the show. Um, I guess I'm not working from him ever, but that's okay. <laughs> maybe not. No. Um, yeah, how would you balance an iPhone? It's a good point. Uh, um, I don't know about the... I haven't seen that. People have seen that film, but I, I don't know. Um, I think they use... I think there's some <laughs> app that's like drives everything towards the camera and increases, I don't know. Somebody was telling me, was it you, David? Right. I have zero interest right. in it. Somebody else was telling me about it. As a matter of fact, it was some kid telling huh? me they were shooting their own short film on an iPhone and they were going to... No, I did oh. not think it was you, but it was somebody else and they were like, I'm so using the, the same thing Soder Soderbergh used. And I'm like, congrats, man. <laughs> Good luck. I mean, at least it won't cost much, you know. Um, yeah. Anyway, do do you shoot a lot of photos on your on your phone? Are you a, like an image person, or do do? Or is I have it a, a lot of only? photos of my dog on my phone. But that's I have a lot of photos of my cat. 
after this, we can we can exchange. Yeah, we'll share, we'll share pet, photos pet, of our, of photos. our pets. Yeah. <laughs> um, what part of the city do you live in? I do not live in the city. Oh. Okay. I commute. You commute. How far? How long a commute? Um. Well, it's Long Island, so it could take anywhere from an hour to two and a half hours. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah, it's fantastic. And you work every Friday, Friday. Every evening? Friday and Saturday night. Oh, right. But the good thing is the hours are really wonky, so I'm not traveling during rush hour. Oh, you're. So it's oh. And it's on the east side, so I don't have to go across the the city. Gotcha. That can save you a half hour alone. Is that new tax gonna affect you? I hope not. Okay. Well, it's like below 60th, right? The new tax, the traffic tax. Oh, the where they're charging you to yeah to yeah. go below 60th. I I, uh, I don't know, man. I, You'll I find hope, out. I hope not. I'm sure it will. Gotcha. No, I was going to ask you because people in New York, they, you know, in L.A. we all have space. Relative to New York, we have a lot of space. Still, still not that much, but yeah. You know, I have place to put my gear, and I have underground parking and everything. And again, I was talking to Alec, and then other people about. And he said he would go, he would get a commercial, and he would have to take his gear, because he lives in Brooklyn, he would have to take his gear to, like, the rental house where they're prepping, drop it off so it could get on the truck, then drive, drive to work the next day, and then come back the next day to pick his gear. I mean, subway to work the next day, because they don't pay for parking, they won't park you there. So, like, uh, yeah. day of, have you experienced a lot of that? Or? Um, well, I usually, now that there's Parkways and Spot Hero and stuff like that, I'll I'll find parking. I'll find parking nearby, and you know, pay in advance usually saves money. But I but still. But it's like fifty bucks to park in places. No, right? you, you sometimes. I mean, New York. If you if you're smart and you're using those apps, you could spend twenty bucks or fifteen or thirty. Right. Okay. But I still like if it's a new client, I'll bill them for the for the yeah, parking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, for somebody that I'm working for all the time, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be that small about right, it. So right, I'll right, just right. Pick it up. Okay. But uh, for anybody new, yeah, I'll bill them for it. Yeah, I just wondered because it's like a whole. You know, um, somebody said to me, they don't pay me to do the operating. They pay me to, when day playing, they don't pay me to do the operating. They pay me to lug my gear in and out of my car every day, you know. That's the worst part of the job. It, it is. And that's why I wondered about New York. Like, what a nightmare to have to, I mean, well, you have to spend like three days to do one day. You know, I mean, I have two rigs now. And I have one that lives at Live PD. So uh, I don't have to do that. Right. You know, and then my other rig is for whatever comes up. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it, it, I did that in November. It's the best thing I ever did. It saves me so much time and energy, and right, it's, it's worth it. That's that's smart. Yeah. What did you buy the exact same rig twice? Right. No, no, they're both like total Franken rigs. So. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for that M2. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. Yeah. You plan on buying it? Yes. You do you have a vault yet? No. Are you getting a vault? Yes. Well, you're if you're getting an M2, I guess you're getting. Yeah, a vault. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. I've been thinking more and more about it lately. I think, um, I personally think it makes you a bit more ballsy with your moves. Hmm. Okay. You know, like it's, it's, you have this thing that's taking care of level for you and, and, and moves that you might do that you're really worried about your level. Now it's taken that factor away and you might be able to be a bit more brave about the things that you attempt. Okay. Yeah. Right. That, that's that's my insight on it. Th that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> so, because I when I think about that, I'm like, well, the shots I do are the shots, you know. Like we talk to the director, and if there's a 
if there's a whip pan in it, I'm doing the whip pan. It's not me being brave or not brave. No, no. But I'm <laughs> talking about I mean? saying something like, say, running or, or right. Where you're worried about your horizon, Don Juan. Where you're worried about your horizon, or whatever else it may be. Yeah. I'm less worried with that. Less and, worried is it? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and my horizon is good. You know? Right. Yeah. I'm I'm always doing really slow dolly type movements. If if I can do that, I can do anything. Sure. So, but for me, that just takes one less thing off the table that I yeah. have to focus on. And I could just focus on my composition and and what's yeah. going on in that moment, as opposed to am I level? Right. So, so just to correct you, you didn't mean brave. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, you you meant what you said. I'm just getting around. Yes. You you no. meant you meant it's one less thing to worry about. Yeah. Right, which is right. It's one less thing to worry about. But I do think, honestly, I would be braver about certain shots. Okay. If I had it. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't get to. I miss it a little bit, but I don't get to experiment and mess around like I used to. Like, I don't really do many music videos. I did one recently, so but I hadn't done one in about 10 years. Mm -hmm. But on those, you can do, like, crazy stuff. The creativeness behind it. I mean, you, you know, you can yeah. do whatever you want. Nobody's, for the most part, nobody's going to be mad. You yeah. can try everything. Yeah, they're, they're, their bar's a little... Yes. The, yeah. Well, I mean, I was talking to somebody about this. You know, the days of opening the door to flash the film a little bit mm -hmm. for at, for effect while rolling and then pulling the lens off the mount and putting yeah. it back in and just all kinds of weird stuff we used to do and like commercials, music videos. Mm -hmm. It's experimental. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's kind of the magic of film. It's like, you know, you're not looking at a screen and you know exactly what it looks like. You have an idea. Yeah. You're properly exposed, mm -hmm. but you don't really know until you until you get it back. Until you see it later, yeah. Which is the fun of shooting film. I still shoot still film and <clears throat> that's a, a joy of shooting film is getting your getting your contact sheet or your 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 slides or your prints or whatever, you yeah. know. Um, when you were in, did they teach you, did you learn on film, still photography? Yeah, or I, uh, no. Is that part of film NYU, school? It was, they I did didn't go film to film school, and, so I don't um, know anything. Yeah, I mean, and you don't have to go to film school to become a steady cam operator either. You know, everybody has a different path. But uh, we're, I would actually we're, say you shouldn't go. Yeah. Right. Waste I mean, money. I mean, if I had to do it again, I'd just go right into the workshop. Well, that's the thing. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to learn all this stuff anyway. Yeah. If they have a rig there that you're gonna get to use all the time, then maybe. Yeah, and I think I think more colleges and universities that that do teach film and, and television should have a rig. Yeah. I think they should have every moving camera mechanism that there is. Of course. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's just. That's part of it. If you're yeah. paying for that schooling, you should learn how to do how to move a camera. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I where I went, it, they still edited on Steambecks. Yeah. You know, so we, we did things kind of like the old school way, um, and then I think a couple of years after I graduated, they changed all that, which I think is kind of a bummer. Because right. there, there is no edit undo button when you're on a steam bag. You know, right. like you really have to make your choices. You make your bins by hanging them on the on the on the uh, on the. On the hangers. On the hangers that are over the, the <laughs> yeah. trash that you, yeah, yeah. you know. Right. On the cutting room floor, whatever you call it. Anyway, right. It's it's just this old school way of thinking about things like, and you really have to think ahead before you make your yeah. edit. It's not like let me just see what this looks like. Right. It's, I think it's it's more brain power behind. Yeah. The old way. It it was more I about. Appreciated it. Yeah. yeah. And it was more about preparation. Yeah. You know, a big complaint about, from Steadicam operators is that we just roll and roll and roll and they don't know what they want and go again and go again and I don't know what I'm looking for. And yeah. there is some of that. With film, you'd roll out 
you know, and that costs you a lot of money. Yeah. And then you, you know, you're reloading, and they had to think about what they wanted, and they had yeah. to prep because so you know you there can't. There was more prep. Yeah, you're right. Right. You can't shoot 200,000 feet of film today. Like, <laughs> you get 20,000 or 10 or whatever. You know what I mean? And that's totally because yeah. it's expensive, mm -hmm. and you know, and then you have to process and everything. Anyway, and sets ran that way as more prepared. I miss that a little bit. And for a while, sorry, go, yeah. And for a while, it was really bad when HD first started coming. It yeah. was really bad, mm -hmm. and then it's it's gone back the other way a little bit. Where, you know, hitting hitting record and then not cutting until you roll out doesn't happen as much anymore. No. But you wouldn't know because you never shot films. No, so. I'm just agreeing with you. <laughs> um, so, how long are you here in Vegas? Have you been to Vegas before? Yeah, I've been here for this show before. Oh, you have? Yeah, yeah oh, my okay. favorite part of the show actually is putting new people, people that have never tried a rig on before, in a rig for the first time. It's my yeah. favorite part. How many times did you do that today? Uh, I don't know. I, I honestly, between yesterday and today, I have no idea how many times. It, it's There was everyone, pretty much. Yeah. And, and seeing that aha moment and that falling in love moment that uh -huh. I'm sure we both experienced, sure. I, I, I feel privileged to have witnessed it. You know, like it's just yeah, it's fun, huh? Yeah, it's it's great. It's really great. I, I love I, teaching. I love teaching them. If in the five good. or ten minutes that I have to teach somebody in the in right here today, I love doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun too. I mean, it could really it could set somebody up to to pursue it, and you don't know. Yeah. You don't know what where where life's gonna lead. You yeah. Know, if you asked me, you know, when I first started, if I would end up where I am, I I would say no. Right. You know. It's. Uh, I think pursuing your dreams is 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 huge. And if if I set somebody on their path by putting them in a rig today to their dream, that's that's a privilege. That's yeah, that's pretty cool. Fantastic. Yeah. I did though. I want you said you see the aha moments. I I when I first walked up here today, I saw somebody having an uh uh moment. And uh yeah, there are those too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there are the uh uh moments. He was. Yeah. He but looked, hey, you know that's one thing you could just check off the list. I'm not doing that again. He he looked in uh, in severe pain. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't standing up straight. I'm sure. I don't know what it was, uh, but um, anyway, <laughs> they're not all like that. Sometimes, no. it, sometimes you need a little vest adjustment. Yeah. Sometimes it's just not for you. No. no. Or sometimes the rig's running away from you. Well, I'm sure that's a whole thing too with people, right? Yeah. Well, if the rig's running away from them, it's because they have it too far out. They're leaning forward. Or, or no, but like I mean, that. just arm adjustment. You know, like oh, okay. just little oh, yeah, adjustments yeah, that yeah, can yeah, help yeah. you so much. It's yeah. like ah, this Which hurts. Is why it's and important then... to take the time to get it right. Right. Yeah. You know? Sure. Because you don't want to give someone their first experience to be a bad one. So yeah. they have this this bad taste in their mouth, and yeah. really was based on false settings and whatnot. But, right, yeah, yeah. But no, I, you I, really have to know. I've had I've had um, men see me in a rig and say, "Oh, I have to try that again," because they had a bad experience, and they see me doing it, and they're like, "Oh, well, if this little one can do it, then I can do it too." Right. And I just I just tell them maybe you just had the wrong settings on your vest, or you didn't have somebody that was teaching you well. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And, and, you know, for example, the first time I ever tried a back mount vest, it was somebody who was skinnier than I am. So I had to really jam it on. And then actually with Hank Ammer, I talked about using his vest in a kind of a weird emergency situation <laughs> where I, I covered him and yeah. I brought my vest and his arm, his male socket block wouldn't fit in my female socket block. 
And so I had to put his vest on, and he's like a 32 waist, and I'm a 36. And there were three of us putting his Clausen vest on me. You know how tight those are anyway. I don't know yeah. if you tried one, but three people like the second, I'm like against the cart and the second's pushing my stomach and we're just trying to get one notch on Yeah, the, that sounds terrible. And then I had to work in it. <laughs> it was pretty brutal. With the radio, though, luckily. And the, the worst part about that between the extreme pain and the radio was the radio. Yeah. Just just so you know. So you're, you're saying this and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of this saying that a friend of mine said it's 10 pounds of shit in a 5 pound bag. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it was... It was more than 10 pounds of shit. It was, <laughs> it was all of me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're on, you're on radio all the time, but you're on a different kind of, you have the TD. Well, you're on headset, not radio. Yes. Radio. Yeah. yeah, yeah. comps. Yeah. Yeah. We're on like channel six with half the crew sometimes. Yeah. Frustrating. We, we do get um, clear comps sometimes. And chatter. Huh? Lots of chatter. Yeah, I remember the very first job I ever, the D, the DP ever made me wear a radio. Um, they were, we, we were doing take one of my first shot. We're literally rolling in the take and she's ordering breakfast from the loader. And then take two, the, the, the 11 to one I got in there, I found out during take two and they, they wanted to know where we, where she, or where he should put it on the truck. I thought it was riveting conversation while I'm trying to listen to dialogue and yeah. shoot people, you know, yeah, it's really running important. around. So, yes, it drives me. That was my very first experience with radio, so I was soured from yeah. day one on it. But well, and that, that's part of, of doing, you know, broadcast is, is filtering out the shit you don't need with the stuff that yeah. you do. Yeah. You know, because when they're, they're the director's talking to you, they're not, they're, they're not just talking to you, they're talking to the rest of the crew. And, right. and knowing it's it's information for everyone and not it's right. for everyone you need to know when certain information applies to you when it doesn't right so. and they need to give it to you now nobody yeah. can right or, so or ahead of time or you know just give right. me a heads up of what's happening you know but yeah i mean but you need to get you need the info in your ear yeah you need it right and yeah. i don't no. You should have tilted up there. Doesn't help me now. No, that's you know? after the fact. <laughs> right. So, in other words, you could come to me after the take and say, "Hey, why don't you tilt up for the whatever mm -hmm. when he sticks his arm up or whatever it might be." It would be really great. Right. If you right. Instead of anyway. Yeah. I'm I'm sour. As a matter of fact, I I day played on a show with an ASC DP mm -hmm. who was super cool, and he had us on radio. He barely talked, which was which was great. Um, but the next day, I told a regular DP of mine, I said, so-and-so, I, I worked with so-and-so yesterday, and he had, his, he had me wearing a radio. And he, he just texted me back, he should know better. Because <laughs> he was an operator, too, so, yeah. you know, he... I, anyway. Well, it kind of makes you feel better, you know. It's not oh, just you. you. Yeah. Somebody can relate. And yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Moment. It's definitely not just me. Well, sometimes you need people to gripe to, you know. So yeah. Well, you know, also, it's different with reality. But do you know any people who did reality? Well, I guess technically. I mean, the live VD show is reality. I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. but like reality, like, you know, running around with the Kardashians or some stupid. No. So I've worked with some of them who have transitioned into, like, the scripted world. Mm -hmm. And they, they will have radios. As a matter of fact, we had... Um, that closed comm system just for the DP, and then he put on channel six in his other ear 
on purpose, on his own. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess, I don't know. I think it's something to do with reality because they're always on, they're always on radio. Yeah. I guess he's just used to it. I thought he was nuts. I'm not, I don't. <laughs> anyway, I'm just. I guess yeah. I'm just old. When no. I was at PA, I had to wear a, a radio. You know, for the couple of years I did that, and um, I guess I just want rid of it forever. Yeah. And I'll continue to complain about it. It's not <laughs> till, so bad. Until something happens. Yeah. Well, yours isn't so bad because you're doing like a live, you're doing a show where it's, it's you know, go camera one, okay, ready camera two, or whatever, you know, that kind yeah. of talk. It's not like, it's not chatter about breakfast. Yeah. I, here and there, if you have some, some comfortable camera people that are on okay, headset, right. you know, or... or Important announcement happening. Go ahead, go ahead. They can still hear you. We have 30 minutes. We have 30 minutes. Right, yeah. <laughs> Wait, this is... Hold on a second. Hold on a second. What? That means it's 5.30. Is it, is it really? I feel like we've been yeah. doing this for so much longer. No. <laughs> wow. I didn't believe the lady on the loudspeaker. I'm really, <laughs> I didn't I'm want to really offended. No. I don't know. I've just been watching the video that's back over there. I've been oh, enjoying that. Oh, that's a nice Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So if I seem distracted, it's, it's okay. <laughs> so I'm looking over this way too. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, don't worry. We're not gonna go. We're gonna go to. I think no, we're no, gonna go right. to. We're, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I think we're gonna go to 5:45. I don't know who's in charge of that. Uh, stretch it out. Oh, look we're at Jerry. It? Jerry's not Jerry. <laughs> He's no longer in the hot seat, so now he... Uh, oh, now he's, yeah. Yeah, now yeah, he's, he's Mr. Comedy. I'm almost done with my, uh, with my maker's with mark the, here. There's, there's some more good. right there. It's a little diluted. Well, that's all right. I'm all right. Uh, do you need more? We have more right no, I'm, here? I'm okay. <laughs> You're sure? Okay. Really. All right. What's your drink of choice? Is bourbon your drink of choice? Um, yeah, I do the bourbon a lot or um, wine. Oh, yeah, you said bullet. Wine, mostly. Wine. Yeah. Yeah, Ron Baldwin and Alec Jarnan again turned me on to uh, Bullet. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I'm surprised you don't drink Blanton's, actually. Say what? Blanton's. No, I don't know. That's Ron's. Is it? Favorite, yeah. New? Blanton's? For a long time. Favorite. Um, many years? I don't, I don't know right. how many. Well, I'm going to have to talk to him about that. Okay. It's, but it's, a, little more, it's a little more pricey. Oh, okay. It's a little hard to find, but it's good. But back to your headset stuff. You were saying something, right. and we got just, we got interrupted. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, That's okay. Yeah, you were looking at the Mustang behind me. <laughs> no, 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 no. You the were chat, the, yes, uh, the lady the, on the loudspeaker. Yeah. It wasn't just you. Um, no, uh, with sometimes directors, if, if they don't, if they don't know you well, they haven't worked with you before. Uh -huh. They can micromanage. Yes. You know, and sometimes I think it's good to just kind of put them in the background. Uh huh. And, and you, you know, you're still listening, but you still have to be in the moment of what it is that you're doing because it's live. Right. And if you're too busy listening to them, then you miss what has just happened in front of you. So yeah. it's it's kind of a balance between the two. Mm -hmm. um, you don't want to totally ignore them because they might have something really important to say. Right. And you can't forget that. You know, you have to be here with who's in front of you, mm -hmm. uh, and that happened 
that happened with um, with Lin Manuel for the the SNL monologue that he did. I oh yeah, I forgot you did some ago. SNL. Yeah. No, I, I just did the one time. They, oh, that's it. Yeah, I mean they called me after that, but I wasn't available. And, and oh. you know, SNL is kind of one of those shows that they'll they'll decide they want steady cam, and the next day say they don't because it's ever changing. Right. And, um, I'm not going to give up on a steady gig for for a maybe. There maybe. Right. Um, but the 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 SNL gig that I did do with Lin Manuel was amazing. It's one of what my did favorite you, what things. What did you do with him? What exactly was it? Well, he did this monologue. Um, it was a, a rendition of one of his songs from Hamilton. Okay. Which was big. I mean, Lin Manuel is uh, Ta- Miranda. Very he's, talented he's guy. He's very yeah, talented. Yeah. Super nice guy. His yeah. wife is sweet. You, know, you, you meet everybody when you're, when you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. And um, we, we did this whole rehearsal. They called me Wednesday uh-huh. for the Saturday show. That's how these things work. Right, sure. Now. And, um, you know, the show that they produce and they prep for is actually twice as long as the show that actually goes out on the air. Right. Because uh, they cut a bunch of stuff oh, right they before. Cut, yeah, they yeah, cut. Yeah. They change. Pardon they, me. I one mean, second. Keep talking. Oh, so you need more. Go ahead. Continue. Well, if you're, while you're at it. <laughs> I'm, I, I got it for you. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. The so, show they produce. So the show they produce is completely different from the show that actually goes on the air. And... Uh, they they called on Wednesday for steady cam. I was available. I went the next day. We rehearsed. Everything we rehearsed on Thursday completely changed on Saturday. Oh really? And, uh, so we had one run through and then we went live. And, and that was it. And it's live live. It's not there's there's no it, it's it is what it is. So it's Yeah, there's no delay at all, right? I, I don't I don't maybe like a, a few seconds for, for curses or whatnot, you know, but Okay. You know, not not significant enough to, to help you. Right. Um and um I think you know, the T D actually said to me, Listen, you know just tune out the director when you do this and just focus on what you're doing. Oh, on that on that show, on that they show. told you that because he, the director was micromanaging me because he didn't trust me because he didn't know me. Right. You know, like, and Did I get it. Did the TD know you? The TD knew me. Oh, okay. A lot of the people knew me, but the right. director didn't know me. Okay. And it was those people that got me the job. It was the people that were working on the show? Right. They gotcha. recommended me, and I, I got called. Sure. And that's how the industry works, you know. Yeah. As you know, and. Um, I'm there, and he's micromanaging me during all the rehearsals, and even during the the one rehearsal we had before we went live. And, right. And he told me, the TD said, just tune him out and do your thing. And that was all I needed to hear. And um, once the tally went on, I was in the zone. So was it like a long one or something, or? It was. It was only honestly, it was only a minute and a half. Okay. But it was the adrenaline that I had going through that was amazing, and. And I had um, Wally, the cue card guy, behind me the uh-huh. whole time, you know, backpedaling through the hallways to right. lead Lin-Manuel. And, and there were certain key factors that you needed to get in. Did you have him and a boom operator? Or was he, was he loved? He was loved. Okay. Because it gets to be quite a party back there sometimes. Yes. Especially when they want an eye And I had two utilities behind me as well pulling the cable because it was tethered. Oh, Right. Yeah, it wasn't wireless. Oh, were you doing down hallways and stuff? Yeah. They probably we, can't do we wireless. We wrapped around the hallway, home. came out, and then it went right back to the jib. It went from the jib to me, back to the jib again. And cool. That was, that was the whole monologue. So was you did like the, the back hallway part or something? Oh, yeah. cool. I got to look that up. Is it on YouTube or anything? Or Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, look up Lin Manuel Miranda cool. SNL. Because I watch, I generally try to catch SNL, but I don't yeah. remember that for some yeah, reason. It, and it, it was a lot of fun, you know. Yeah. And they, there's like any time they do a monologue where they're walking through the hallways and stuff, they have key factors that they want in the in the in the frame. Right. Just to make sure you get those key factors. Sure. And then timing and composition, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Offs. I mean, it was it was intense and it was fun and. and um, I'm really happy with how it turned out. Right. Uh, there are certain things I would have done differently if I could do it again, but it's live and it's one take and you're done. Right. There's nothing I can do about it. So. Right. That Again, the excitement factor, that's really cool. Yeah. But uh, uh, there must be like an energy in that place, in SNL. I mean, oh, there's so much history there. I mean, I stayed around. They didn't use me for anything else. I mean, they even had music performance. They didn't use me because they, they have their way of doing things, and right. they just use the peds for it. Right. Um, well, they have like a... It's not a Titan. It's like the Titan on a smaller base. Um, shoot, what's that thing called? It's Chapman Leonard. Yes. It's a rideable crane. Yes, yes, yes. They have that all the time. It's a three-man operated jib, essentially. I mean, you can do the same shot with a jib, but they like doing it the way they do it. And that's how Lauren Michaels, that's the way he does things. They've had it that way for the whole time, so that's what they use. Yeah. 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 It's pretty cool. No, it's great. Sometimes you see the behind the scenes. And they're great operators. They're good at what they do. Yeah. Have they all been there forever? Yeah. Have they? Yeah, yeah. A lot of them have been there for a long time. Is there anyone who, do you know if any of them started, like, in the 70s? When oh, I have no idea. I, I, I try not to ask questions like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess <laughs> so. I guess, I, guess, I guess so. <laughs> I guess. Well, th- look, did they all look like they could die at any minute? <laughs> okay, good. No. <laughs> no, all healthy-looking guys. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a good time. It was a good crew. They were very welcoming. And, and I, I stuck around to, to watch the rest of the show. And it's magic to watch the rest of the show. Is it? Yeah, I mean, between during commercials, just seeing the stagehands and the camera crew work together to set up the next set right. for the next bit. And just, I mean, it's like. Because it's a very small studio, what a right? System. So they have to, like. Smaller than you think it is. Right, and they have to, like, yank everything out and Dude, rebuild everything. Clockwork. They, they have it down to right. science. They're great. Yeah. So it was cool. great watching it happen. I'm I'm really jealous of you because I've loved that show for a long time and like. And that's another thing. It's like working on, on shows that you've watched for years. Mm-hmm. And, and to be a part of them, or to shoot music that you've listened to as growing up, right. And then to be a part of that, and that's really exciting. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. Because I think back, like when you were talking about your show, I think back to, um, Chris Farley. <laughs> down the hallway uh-huh. um, is it Chris Farley or is it I think so but they're they're all like charging down the hallway singing and it's the open of the show yeah and just thinking geez how do they do that and they have like two cameras mm-hmm. you know and they're jammed in a little hallway you know it's not like it's not some giant hallway and the, yeah. the whole cast is coming you know stuff like that is just a kind of electrifying you know yeah. it seems like a lot of fun mm-hmm. I'd love to watch it I'd love to work on it, but I'd I'd really love to watch it yeah. happen. Yeah, I hope they haven't lost my number. I've said no a few times. You know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I think most of the time they don't lose it. They just whoever said yes gets the call next time. Yeah, you know? that's true. It's like, that's well, true. they seem to be available. Yes. So I'll call them again. That's true. That, yeah, you're it's right. It's not a. It's not a. Nobody's mad. No, I know. But, well, some people might be. Yeah. If they had me, they might be mad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you well enough. I don't think so, but <laughs> they could they could be. Um, look, I think uh, I think we've I think we've gone over when we were supposed to. I don't know, but anyway, I have four. Oh, we have four minutes. Oh, okay. 
Thank what you, should we talk about, Timber? Timber? What should we talk about? Oh, so you chimed You're in with nothing for me. You're getting such a big hug later. <laughs> That's funny. Well, look, we don't have to use all these four minutes. We okay, can, all right, we can, cool. So we'll just drink the rest of our drink and... Actually, should we just should we just sit quietly and stare... At Timber? No, Yeah, just stare at Timber and drink our drink Oh, our no, bourbon. you're going to win. <laughs> I had too many. <laughs> oh, no. She is a, st she is a staring uh, master, apparently. Well, she was ready. I wasn't ready for that. Mm. I was trying to call her out. Didn't work. Evil. There's a lot of evil in that little little package. <laughs> I'm just no, kidding, Timber. I'm kidding. That. I'm glad you're laughing. We have a lot in common. I just hung out with her a lot for the past day or two. You did. We have a lot in common. I feel like I've known her forever. Actually, you guys must get along well because that music from that thing over there, and I've spent barely any time here, and I want to I wanna go shoot the speakers out it on that thing. It irritates me as well, but I try to focus on the people that make me feel happy. And I focus on that crappy music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That is a definite difference. My glass is half full. How is yours? Almost empty. <laughs> it's very close to empty. <laughs> anyway, thanks again. No, thank Cheers you. to you. It's nice, nice meeting you. It was, it was really great to meet you as well. <laughs> Can you talk? Yeah. Thanks for paying attention, everybody. Cheers, guys. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Oh, and check the show out, Walking Backwards Podcast, on all your podcast places, wherever they are. I don't know. Thanks. Thanks again to Jerry and Kat. They were both great to talk to. Hopefully one day I'll get both of them separately into my place for the traditional podcast. That'd be great. Thanks again to Tiffin Steadicam and Walter Clausen FX for their continued support. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>